Getting in the Loop podcast, episode 19, How to Invest in Circular Business with Andrea Brown. Hi, I'm Katie Wellen, and join me each week as I talk with experts around the globe about circular economy. You'll find out what's being done to make it a reality, and if it can really solve the problems it promises. It's time for Getting in the Loop. Hi, and welcome to Getting in the Loop. I'm Katie, and today we're talking with Andrea Brown about investing in the circular economy. But first, in September, there will be a Train the Trainer session for Risk and Race, which is a serious game I co-developed to simulate circular business operations and the financial side of running a circular business. I invite you to head on over to businessgame.gettinginthelooppodcast.com to learn more about the game and the upcoming two-day Train the Trainer session. Again, that's businessgame.gettinginthelooppodcast.com to get started helping others learn about circular business models. So now on to today's podcast. Andrea is Director of Impact for Quadia, a pioneer investment manager that allocates private and institutional wealth into investment strategies that are helping to accelerate the circular and regenerative economy. Andrea has over 10 years of experience working with global Fortune 500 companies on sustainability strategy at the World Business Council for Sustainable Development. While there, she led the development of its Factor 10 Circular Economy program that brought together CEOs from over 40 different companies, including Dow, PMG, DSM, Philips, Ikea, and Unilever. She also developed the CEO Guide to the Circular Economy and is a regular speaker on circular economy and sustainability at global events. In this episode, you'll learn about impact investing, hear Andrea's thoughts on promising new business models, and find out why circular finance has been receiving a lot of attention lately. Resources and links discussed in this episode can be found at gettinginthelooppodcast.com. Let's get to the show. Thank you so much, Andrea, for coming on the podcast. I'm excited to get in the loop with you. To start us off, where are you? You're calling from Switzerland, right? I am. I'm calling from Basel, although my office is in Geneva. Ah, Geneva. I grew up in Geneva, but uh, Geneva, New York, not Geneva, Switzerland. (laughs) Slightly different. Yeah, Yeah, slightly different. They kind of look the same, but one has massive mountains behind it. The other one doesn't. So yeah. Nice. So last week, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the World Circular Economy Forum 2019 in Helsinki. And there was an entire session dedicated to investing for circular business models. So it seems that circular investment is a very hot topic right now. And I'm hoping you could shed some light on this issue. Um, I'm curious, why, why is there this big interest right now? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And you know, I, unfortunately, I couldn't join the World Circular Economy Forum this year, but I know this is definitely a topic that is on the minds of, of many people. And I think partly it's because there's still a huge financing gap, really, to allow circular economy to really scale up and kind of a recognition that public funds, you know, are not going to cover that. So there's really a role for, um, you know, private finance, for blended finance to really uh, help scale the circular economy. And I think that a lot of these business models are unproven. So how do you sort of create a business case, an investment case 
for an unproven business model. And that's a challenge, I think, for large and small investors alike. And um, I think also connected to that is, you know, this idea of circular economy, uh, circular finance is also new. And so how do you define that? What is behind that? Um, you know, it's certainly connected to the wider challenges we have. You know, what is the lexicon that we're using to categorize, you know, what is a circular economy investment? And so there is some good work happening by some of the, you know, larger commercial banks like ING, ABN AMRO, kind of connected through the Ellen MacArthur Foundation's um, Circular Economy Finance Working Group. And they're kind of creating, I think, some great thought leadership on what does that really mean from a definition perspective? How do we kind of quantify, qualify what circular finance means? And also, you know, how do we start to think about what linear risk is, as an example, for existing portfolios? So if you're a company that, you know, a bank has already invested in, but you're still really operating in the linear economy, what kinds of risks, you know, how do you quantify or qualify those risks, you know, as an investor? And so all of these parts of the puzzle are, are out there, I would say, and different pieces of them are being worked on, but kind of how you fit all of that together is still a big challenge, but also a big opportunity for those of us that are in this space. Mm -hmm. I, I want to, dive into what your company, uh, Quadia, is doing. But before that, could we just go back a little bit? Maybe you could give me an example of what a linear risk might be. Sure. So, <clears throat> I mean, as an example, a company that um, is basing their product on for a critical raw material, as an example. So, you know, you know that material is going to run out in the future, yet you haven't actually adjusted your business model to, to take that into account. And so, you know, that's very much a linear risk. Um, even a linear risk could be, you know, a single use plastic that's now been, you know, on the regulated list within the EU, um, now within Canada, you know, many other regions around the world popping up with these kinds of um, regulations that are starting to create these bans, and therefore that is also a risk if that's what, you know, one of the core businesses or core business lines of your company. And so these are the kinds of things that are being considered, you know, much like um, many investors are doing around stranded assets and carbon. So it, I, I would say it's a similar approach, but looking at linear risk and linear business models. Okay, so yeah, having, a material that you're heavily dependent on and there's concerns about access to that material in the future. So as you gave the example of what the EU calls critical raw materials or concerns about bans of products, substances, processes, how you do business basically that could interfere with your, your, your company. Yeah. And perhaps yeah, give a shout out to Circle Economy at the moment because they have d delivered a publication called Linear Risks. Okay, um, yeah. I think it was earlier this year or late last year. And they've done that in partnership with some of these banks and sort of laid out a, a framework for, you know, how these commercial banks are starting to kind of think about linear risks. And um, I think it's a great framework to start from in terms of, you know, thinking about what that means for existing portfolios.
Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I'll put that, uh, I'll have that linked in the show notes on our, on our website. So listeners can check that out. Sure. Excellent. So could you explain a little bit about your company, uh, Quadia and, and how your company is working to try to address some of these issues? Sure. Yes. So we are a pioneer investment manager and we allocate private and institutional wealth into investment strategies that create positive social and environmental impact. And we've actually been around for nearly 10 years and we've over that time invested around 180 million euros in around 50 companies, projects and funds. Um, and much like other impact investors, we sort of started out in the, um, you know, energy efficiency space, investing in, in companies that are, you know, creating more energy efficient solutions, etc. And then moved into food, but now have a very much a central focus on the circular and regenerative economy as an in, impact and also investment thesis. And so by that, we, I mean, our firm belief is that we really need a new economic model that moves away from this linear take-make-dispose model to one that's regenerative by design. And by that, we can, you know, essentially meet human and social needs within the means of one planet. So we're investing in companies that are making this transition through their products and solutions um, through three sectors, through food, through energy, and through what we call circular products and materials, which includes many things. It includes fashion, it includes packaging, it includes consumer electronics. Um, and, you know, what I think is interesting is that you may think, well, you know, investing in a green energy company, that's quite impactful because they're, you know, creating access to energy. But we're also saying because of our thesis around the circular and regenerative economy, that that, you know, solar producer, as an example, you know, we don't want them just to to be producing green energy, but also to be thinking about their materials that are going into that product, how they can use secondary uh, raw materials to produce, you know, their, their solar panels, how they can be creating more durable products um, that last longer, and how they can think about those products at the end of their life and sort of capture them. And so it's also about, you know, how that energy transition is circular how that sustainable food system is circular, and of course how you know circular products and materials create um, you know new models that allow consumers to be circular in their everyday habits. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if I'm hearing you correctly, it's so you you do impact investing, which uh, which is a little bit different than sort of the normal way of investing because you also take into account the system around the the company and and sort of what they're doing to prepare for the future. Correct maybe correct me if I'm if I'm wrong or if I have partial the the idea. Well, yeah, so I think there's there's different many different classes kind of in sustainable investing and impact investing at the heart of it is that we don't only look for a return from the financial side but also an impact creation. And so through our investments into you know companies that are helping in this transition to a circular and regenerative economy you know we want them to be financially successful of course but also to create more momentum essentially around this transition that we anticipate towards a regenerative economy and as impact investors i think what often differentiates us as well is that we're actively 
involved in the company. So we're, you know, we're not only um, engaged on a business model, business strategy perspective, but also how can we help those companies create more impact through their strategies, policies, products, etc. And we're very much um, partners in, in that development process mm-hmm. of the companies we invest in. How do you, is it, do you have a, a method for quantifying this, this impact or are there, there standards already out there? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So there, uh, there's a lot of discussion around how to standardize more, you know, the space of quantifying impact. And I think that's a challenge naturally because so many impact investors have their own impact thesis that's based on their, um, their own investment strategy. And so some might be focused on oceans, some might be focused on energy, some might be focused on, you know, microfinance, we're focused on the regenerative economy. And so I'd say that's difficult. I think what is behind it is, you know, there is some standardization around what does impact management look like in terms of a process. And we certainly follow the the standards that are out there on that. Um, And, you know, we have our own impact measurement approach. And I think what's interesting is that we don't just look at, um, you know, how companies are fostering circular production and consumption. So we look at, you know, how do they measure up against the five circular economy business models that Accenture defines and that many, you know, many people use. But we're also looking at how do they improve natural resource use? How do they promote fair value chains? How do they support local communities? And so I think that's an interesting approach because it's, it's not only about the circular economy, but it's how do you move to a regenerative economy? How do you create a more fair and equitable shift towards something that is in the means of one planet and that, you know, is circular and regenerative by design? And so these, these indicators and these metrics are quite important to be able to understand and, you know, help create that shift that we, we want to see. Of course, of co- definitely. Um, so you gave the example of Quadia looking at food, uh, energy, and then circular products and materials. Uh, within your own organization, and also you can feel free to give examples outside uh, the ones that you're supporting, what kinds of business models are you seeing? Are you seeing any interesting and promising ones? Yes, I, I think what I'm seeing that's unique and promising are companies that o- don't only produce a product that might be circular, but also ones that are sort of creating the service model that connects the dots across the value chain. And so, you know, a- an example would be a company that works with brands to take back a product that would otherwise be waste, They're restoring that product to their original quality and then providing the platform to sell those products on, creating value for the brands and themselves, but also helping those brands meet their circular economy goals. And so I think kind of what's interesting in a way are these win-win, almost turnkey solutions, because you know creating a circular product, product is one thing, but creating all those connections across the value chain to make it work is I think one thing that will accelerate and create more scale on these big challenges that we have mm-hmm. and you know that are really providing in a way the 
unique value proposition, you know, over competitors. And yeah, I think that, that that's one of the unique aspects that I see that seems to be the differentiator for, you know, one product over another in the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So not just looking within the company, but also how they're doing it and what they're sort of partnering and how they're creating this value, shared value across the value chain to actually contribute to closing the loop or extending exactly. the times of materials yep. and products. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. We have some listeners that uh, that are sort of entrepreneurial focused and they're or there's also, you know, listeners who are professionals that are working in companies that are trying to create circular business. So do you have any advice for those types of listeners that maybe could, in, you know, I, well, I don't know exactly, but could be potentially part of Coadia's uh, pro- portfolio in a, couple, in a couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I think that I like the way that, um, you know, some have characterized these sort of types of waste in the system. So it's, we're not only looking at sort of actual material waste, but we're also looking at sort of wasted life cycles from products that are tossed away. We're looking at wasted assets. So I think, you know, there's still this enormous amount of waste in the system. And, you know, I think products and services that address those big challenges that we're awakening to are obviously ones where I think there will be you know, a need and an increasing need in the future. And I think going back to my point that I just made, you know, I think companies that are kind of connecting these dots across the value chain. So, you know, how do you create the reverse logistics, for example, to take products back? How are you uh, creating the service model to calculate the impact and be able to provide brands, you know, the data that they need to, to, um, you know, show their own impact in their sustainability goals, et cetera. These kinds of connections across the value chain, I think are really critical. And so it's not just the product or solution, but it's really how you kind of create the connections to, to close the loop, as you just said. And I think that that is the big challenge, but of course that is um, where I think there will be lots of room for entrepreneurs to come in and really shift you know, business models and create more exciting opportunities in this space. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't exactly on my question sheet and I might edit it out depending on how you feel about talking about it. But I was just curious, I'm thinking, so when you decide to invest in in a company uh, through Quadia and Quadia decides to invest in a company, um, a lot of the sort of, we see a lot of switches towards like product service systems and things like that as part of the business models. But there's also a lot of challenges that come from a financial perspective in terms of like up larger upfront costs or like return on investment being longer. So I'm just curious, do you take that into account in your, in your organization in terms of how that might be different from another sort of in investor? I, I don't know if that's a good way to ask the question, but. uh. So I think what you're asking is how do we create the investment case for some of these unproven models, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a challenge for everybody still, you know, even as impact investors, of course, you know, we're working with, with clients that are um, impact oriented, but I think, you know, we still expect a financial return. And I think one of the key things is we, 
you know, at the very beginning, we also look at risk return impact. So we look at, you know, things like future legislation. We look at trends around consumer behavior. We look at things like, um, you know, how are the brands um, creating sustainability goals around new circular business models? I think, you know, in fashion, there's been quite a lot coming out on, on these types of goals from the global fashion agenda or from the, the new plastics economy. These kinds of goals help us also know the signals that are out there in the market and where, you know, the opportunity from an impact pr perspective can also lay. And so, <clears throat> you know, it's creating as much as we can a kind of quantifiable and qualified uh, assessment around those impact and investment cases that shows that this is an interesting, you know, financial and impact um, proposal. But it's, of course, you know, I think it's still a challenge for everybody, certainly. But the, these kinds of things are just some examples of what we might look at to help us think about the future. Mm -hmm. And I suppose what's also a bit different for us is that we're, you know, we're long-term investors. So we're, we're investing in companies, you know, over five to seven years as an example. And so we also have that in mind as we make these investment cases that, you know, the world may look quite different in five years from now. And how do we look at these signals today to be able to give us insight for what will be kind of a winning product or solution in in that time frame mm -hmm. um, and i'm thinking are you looking for when we had our pre-call you were talking about how you look for you're not really looking for um like small startups you're more looking for a little bit maybe you can explain kind of what, what you're looking for yeah so we are investors that don't focus on investing in in startups we're very much focused on companies that already have some traction in the market so generally companies that have already been around for a few years that already have a product or service, you know, in the market and that will reach break even in generally, you know, 12 to 24 months. And so, you know, and I would say there's many other investors out there that are in the same spot. And I do think that, um, you know, there's many others focused on startups and then we're much more focused on this kind of early, um, series a and above investment stage yeah okay so you've given me some great food for thought and i also thank for our listeners for this introduction to this idea of circular investment and what your company quadia is doing and what is out there you know at the at the at the moment uh, i want to ask you the question that i ask all of the guests as like the sort of final question which is about the the in the loop game which is a game that I created to have people experience uh, the importance of why we really need to rethink how we use our materials. And in the game, you're a manufacturing company, so you have to navigate through material challenges and changing market conditions. And these come in the form of events. And the events are based on real world happenings. They can be positive, they can be negative. So they're often the memorable, memorable part of the game. So uh, my question to you, Andrea, is if you could create an event for the game, what would your event focus on? I think that's a great question. I mean, I used to work at an organization called the World Business Council for Sustainable Development, the WBCSD, 
And several years ago, we created this Vision 2050 that was this nine pathways heading towards, you know, our vision of nine billion people living well within the limits of the planet. And even at that time, we had looked at sort of how to close the loop in the materials pathway. And in 2050, that ends with not a particle of waste. And so I think that that's something that I've sort of carried with me for many, many years as, a, as an opportunity around the circular economy and as a sort of long-term vision, if you will. And so I think for me, the event would be, and I heard this at a conference recently, but basically eliminating landfills. So, you know, tomorrow they're banned everywhere. Yeah. What does that mean for a company, for example, that manufactures? They're going to have to really rethink how they view waste and what that means for how they innovate around that challenge. Yeah, I love it. That would definitely be a disruption and would make us rethink what we're what we're currently doing and, and a lot of the current uh, ways that we just consume and also do business. So uh, yeah, that would be a really nice uh, addition to the game. So thank you for that, Andrea. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Katie. It's been wonderful to be here. And where can listeners go to learn more about you and the topics that we discussed? Well, we have a website. It's quadia.ch, so Q-U-A-D-I-A.ch, but also my LinkedIn or Twitter, of course. So my LinkedIn, Andrea Brown Smatlin. I had to tack on Smatlin because I'm sure there's thousands of Andrea Browns out there. Uh, and then Twitter is at Andy underscore brown so a-n-d-e-e underscore brown and we obviously share lots of our um, recent investments but also the places that we're actively engaged in the discussions around finance and the regenerative economy Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For show notes and links, go to our website at gettinginthelooppodcast.com. And while you're there, subscribe to our mailing list to have new episodes delivered to your inbox every Monday. See you next week.